This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 365, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. A newborn king to see, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. Our finest gifts we bring, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. Rum-pa-pum-pum, rum-pa-pum-pum. Years from now, perhaps we'll see. Hey, happy holidays, and welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 365.com. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hey. And Josh Flanagan. Why do you hate Christmas? I love Christmas. Happy holidays? That's bullshit. Well, ever since I, when I worked in retail, I had a hard time yeah. with this saying Merry Christmas to everyone. Because you know, oh, so, yeah. you're respectful of people? Well, because then what, anyway. happened, what happened was I didn't want to say Merry Christmas, and so then I started saying Happy Holidays, but then I started getting all fumbling, so I just didn't say anything, and I waited till they say Happy Holidays and Merry Christmas, and then I go, same to you, and it came off really abrasive, and I didn't sell many very <laughs> things. So <laughs> Anyway, we, that's why I got out of retail, and I <laughs> that's why got we, into comics. We got into comics at the website iFanboy.com, which is all about comic books, in the celebration of comics and every week we read a whole bunch of comics that come out 
new comics, and one of us uh, come, goes to their keyboard and writes the pick of the week about the book that got them jazzed the most that week, um, and then we come here and talk about it as well as the other books that came out and anything else of, of note or interest. Um, before we get into the show, just want to warn you that we're going to talk about what happens in the comic books, so we're going to spoil them, so if you haven't read your comics yet, you might want to press pause and come back or come listen later, but still listen. It's worth your while. It's good distraction. Um, this week, Josh had the pick, and uh, I'll let him take it away and explain himself. Yeah, I know. He, Ron wants me to be a crowd pleaser. I no, want to be a crowd no, pleaser. No. no. He sent me an email. Was, I don't even uh, know if, it ple- if that pleases the crowd or not, but anyway, go on. So, uh, My pick of the week was Conan the Barbarian number 11, and I'm just as surprised as you are, except I'm not because uh, I, I started reading. This is one of those series, and if you're like me, and I don't know if anyone is, uh, sometimes you'll see a series come out and you think, oh, I, I should try that, but I probably won't like it. After a little while, and 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 such was with Brian Woods Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien, Conan the Barbarian. I would uh, much rather read Brian Woods Conan O'Brien. By the way, God, <laughs> I would too. That would be great. Um, and I've read some Conan over the over the years. Uh, I remember there was a there was a Roy Thomas story a little while back. There was a Ron Mars story a little while back. And he's got a pretty long, uh, exciting history in comics. I think the movies came about because the comics in the seventies were pretty uh, successful. Didn't um didn't Kurt Busiek Kurt have Busiek, a run yeah. on it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Him too. That's yeah. right. Um. And, you know, the classic sort of, I think it was, was it John Buscema who was doing them for a while? Yeah. Um, yeah. So and anyway, uh, you know, I like them, but I, I sort of like a bit of them. And then, and then you know, like after a while, I go, okay, that, that's enough of that. And um, the thing that's really kept me around for these Conan books is, is that uh, Brian Wood, A, he developed a real trick for, uh, for doing these sorts of, uh, I guess, I, I, wanna, I keep wanting to say swords and sandals, but I don't like that, although I guess that's what it is. Uh, when he was doing Northlanders, which I also really came to love, sort of despite my expectations. Um, and it, as he sort of transitioned from Northlanders, which ended at Vertigo, over to Conan, uh, he really carried, I think, a lot of what he learned at Northlanders. And, and so it's a, very, it's a very smooth book. It feels very effortless, and it's, it's very, I find it very interesting. Um, and then the other thing that happened is that he brought along... Um, some really wonderful artists, a, lot, a bunch of them that had previously worked on, on Northlanders as well. Um, started off with Becky Cloonan on the book, and she lasted uh, three or four issues. Uh, there was a run by James Heron that was, that was really wonderful. Um, there was somebody else in the middle that I don't remember, but uh, the last couple issues have been Declan Shalvey. And these guys are all just excellent storytellers. Uh, they're guys who, uh, which is really fun for this book because they're sort of extended action sequences. Um, where you know there'll be a, a sword fighter, you know Conan. It's always the same. Conan breaks out of whatever bond somebody's holding him and kicks guy, you know, kicks five guys' asses. Um, and and they're really fun to watch how how they they build those sequences in in storytelling. Um, and so from a craft standpoint, I really enjoy uh, reading this book. It's really the thing that I'm like, oh, this is just really really well done. But I also do find it uh, I find it compelling. I don't know where it's going to go. The the overall story is that in the beginning uh, of this of this series. Conan hooked up with uh, Belit, who's the sort of uh, pirate queen lady, and she, you know, she's in charge of a ship of really badass sailors, and they they tried to take over the ship that Conan was on, and they killed everybody, and he and he and he he and them got along, uh, so he joined the crew and started up his little relationship with Belit, and um, everybody on the ship is sick right now; they're all dying except for Conan because he's a badass. Uh, and and he goes into like a, a this little town trying to get help, and then gets in a bunch of fights there. It's not, you know. <laughs> it's not really extensive plotting. It's not really deep thinking, but it, it's uh, it's fun and it's compelling. Um, and it, as I I just kind of keep liking it more and more. And as I was reading my books this week, you know, it was the only one. It, it was one of those things like I didn't read it and go, oh, that's pick of the week. But it was the one when I looked back. It was the only one I gave a five to. Um, so that's that's how that became pick of the week. Um, are either of you guys still reading this at all, or did you? I uh, never, never, never read it. Really. Nope. Yeah. Um, I thought you were like a big Brian Wood fan, and I was not a big Brian Wood fan, which I find interesting. I find myself I'm 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 a I'm a Brian I would say I'm a Brian Wood fan. I'm not a read everything he writes fan, especially licensed stuff. Um, yeah. And I'm not a big Conan fan. Um, although I do like Becky Cloonan, I like Declan Shalvey. Maybe I should be reading it. Dave Stewart's coloring all these too. Of that's, course, that's he is. the other he's, thing. He's, yeah, because Mike, well, no, Mike Richards has got him chained to a desk. Something. In, in well, he doesn't do he doesn't do everything at at uh, Dark he's, Horse. He's also but, doing uh, the massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know his his work actually has a lot to do with it. He he adds just as much as anybody else, and and the, the whole thing is sort of everybody's sick, so the whole thing has this sort of sick pallor to it, this sort of pale dullness that's in the background, and, and uh, it's just a it's it's a great. It's one of those comics that if you were to take all of the word balloons out of it, like everything, you would still be able to read it. 
And I think that that's, you know, you would, you would know the tone and sequence of everything that was going on. And uh, this is sort of a real bummer of an issue and everybody sort of looks sad and, and there's, you know, because he doesn't know what to do. And, and at the end, like, the choice is, well, I am the barbarian. Should I just leave all these people and let them die? He's like, I don't know. And he sort of, hey, like, I the am, last page. I am, I am the barbarian? Yeah. Oh, that's right. awesome. Well, he... Well, he doesn't say that specifically. Oh, that would have been cool if it was just that self-aware. Like, well, that, I am a barbarian. <laughs> well, no, yeah, he writes him completely uh, mod. No, uh, he doesn't write him completely mod, which is a little different than Northlanders because that was the idea with that. He he goes a little more into the vernacular, I think, in Conan. But it's just kind is of it a still bummer. young, headstrong Conan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely like the the young. He's he's out in the world and he's kicking ass. Um, it's fun. I I've I've just really enjoyed it and it, it's super well done. I actually would say. You guys should you should give it a look sometime because I think that you, that you definitely appreciate it uh, and probably enjoy it. Sounds good. How much? How I mean, it was funny because I I half expected to this to be like a Declan Shalvey kind of praising kind of moment because you're a fan of Shalvey's work. I, I definitely am. Yeah. Uh, it's, the thing is, like, I really say I really would say that he is of a piece with the other kind. Like, I I don't know if I have the 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 language to express how he you know like him and the people on this of this the, all of the artists have worked together. Not one of them is entirely different than one another, but it's just very um, simple's not the right word. It's straightforward storytelling. Uh, there's not a lot there that doesn't need to be there. It's and it's very clear and and from a from a standpoint of just looking at, at putting together a comic book and, and putting together how these these panels and pages work together, I, I, I find it really – I think he's really good at it. Um, and it, it's not necessarily – he's not a guy who's going to blow you away with – you're not going to turn to like a, a two-page spread of some hugely dynamic image and be like, oh my god, he's amazing. It's not a pinup kind of guy. He's a, he's a, he's a comic book maker kind of guy. And, and I definitely – really like his work uh, on this. It, I mean, it, it, it's very similar to the work that they did uh, at the end of Northlanders, which, you know, was, was great. I think that they hit Shalvey and I forget who split the second, the last arc in, into two pieces. Um, but was uh, that? also was that as, was that as a setter? I think it was supposed to be as a setter. As a setter was there towards the end. Yeah. I forget. Oh man, I miss Northlanders. Yeah, no, it was, well, that's, the, well, that's the thing. I figured if, you know, if you liked that, then there's, there's almost no reason that you wouldn't like this. <laughs> if you like that sort of thing. No, you did like, it. Um, and it's very related. It's very similar to that. Although I dare say that Conan is more uh, um, relatable. He's more he's more likable uh, than than sort of those characters in Northlanders were sort of reprehensible to a man. Interesting. Um, well, not all of them. There was a lot, a lot of sympathetic yeah. people in Northlanders. Well, the last like like fifteen issues or so were about the 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 people on Iceland, and they were all assholes. Yeah. True. I, yeah. I think. Um, it's just it's a it's just a great little series, and it's one of those things that not everybody will read, but the the people who are reading all seem to like it a lot. I think it was averaging something like four point seven for the issue or something like that. You know, not not a huge hit, but just a, a real good solid comic book. Um, and so it was actually you know at the end of the day it was actually kind of an easy pick, and it's one of those ones where I was like I've really enjoyed it all along, and I was glad to give it a chance to sort of be the pick of the week. Cool. Well, that's what pick of the week is all about. You that know, like is sometimes sometimes you go for the the public opinion like I did last the last time with Avengers. Sometimes it's a controversial one. Sometimes it's a great feat of work. Sometimes it's just a comic that you enjoy. I like. It's not work. about throwing meat to the masses. No, no, no like yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're at the point now that if I don't pick Batman, which I know will be sixty-five to seventy-five percent of yeah. the of the team vote, nobody says anything to me anymore. <laughs> they leave me alone. Well, that's the th- that's the thing is that like is that I I I'm, I feel as if a lot of people put more stock in pick of the week than we do. <laughs> like it doesn't Definitely. doesn't take away for there are other good books out every week. It's just the book that Josh enjoyed, you know. And so yeah. Anyway, six years later, still explaining ourselves. <laughs> We're explaining ourselves to ourselves. True. Yeah. Honest. True. Yeah. Exactly. So Let's be honest. Um. So anyway. So uh, moving on to the wonderful world of Marvel now, and this week's uh, Marvel now number one launches were all owned by Mr. Dennis Hopeless. Were they? Yeah. Yeah. They're both. Now. They're both written. Now is Dennis. Yeah. Um. They're both written by uh, Dennis Hopeless. Uh, Avengers Arena number one and Cable and X Force number one, and you couldn't get two more different books if you tried. <laughs> <laughs> So the the hotly debated and argued and maligned Avengers Arena number one with art by Kev Walker came out. Um, I wrote a review of it a couple of weeks ago. I really like I like the potential of this book. Um, I dug it. I, I think Kev Walker is great, and I think that you've got a you know a whole slew of C and D listers at best, except for Darkhawk, who's an A lister. And um, and I was in the com- <laughs> wait a minute. What? 
Darkhawk's an A-lister, is that what you said? Uh, th- well, they're C and D-listers, obviously, everybody else, but Darkhawk's an A-lister. Yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> but, um, you can let that one slide? Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, but, no! <laughs> but you see, that's what represents what's interesting about this, is because everybody has a favorite character. And just sure. because I'm a Darkhawk fan doesn't mean somebody out there isn't a Chase or a Nico fan from The Runaways or a um, Metal and, uh, what's her name, uh, Hazmat, Hazmat from Avengers, you know, Avengers Academy. Or, I don't know, I didn't even know who Kid Britain was. I didn't know who any of these characters were. Um, yeah. See? So, so like, why not? And, like, someone in the comic book store, we were talking about this, actually had a great uh, a great uh, comment about this going, yeah, I like a lot of these characters, and if it wasn't for this book, I wouldn't get to read them. Yeah. Which is a great way it's to look at now. it. For now. Yeah, for now. Sure, they might die. Well, let's, let's talk about this. One of the things that I thought was really interesting is that this was a book that people had a visceral reaction to before it existed. Yes. Uh, which I think is interesting. However, it was exactly what they said it was going to be. Oh, there's so no most of, about this book at all. Most of those reactions would have been the same before or after. We just dealt with them before anyone had read it. it this is a rare case <laughs> in, in that sense. I thought, uh, I thought this was really well done. I, obviously, I'm a big fan of Kev Walker. I think he's, he's an excellent artist. Um, so that's very good. I didn't know anybody or have any um You don't remember the Runaways characters? I don't think I realized that it was them. I just Because I just assumed I didn't know anybody. So, uh, But or from Dark a standpoint... I don't really know Darkhawk that well. I really only oh, what, are we even friends? I know him from the conversations we have, but I pay. I, I can't think of when he's ever shown up in a comic. You should, you're about to say I pay no attention to what you say about Darkhawk. Holy, Is that what you're about to say? you totally no, no. should go back. You should get that book that the the collection came out and read the original Darkhawk because it was fun. Yeah. Anyway, um, don't dismiss. No, okay. Connor, so, back me up here. What I'm saying is that it didn't matter that I didn't know any of them. I thought it was a really well-written ensemble piece where I got to know the people who I needed to get to know uh, fairly quickly right away. And I thought that it was very um, naturalistic uh, in terms of the way that the people – it didn't feel you like – You don't need to know them. They're, they're no, 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 totally Encyclopedic not. history. You didn't know more than you need to know who everybody in The Hunger Games was. You just right. need to know no. that these kids on an island are going to have to survive. That's all you need to know. And if I, you I able, then that's more for you to enjoy. But otherwise, you I, don't need to. I just I thought that the characterization was really well done and sort of the handling of a large cast in a comic book form. Uh, it, it felt like it rang pretty true to me. And sometimes it can't. Sometimes it feels like this is a stupid adult trying to write kids who don't sound anything like that. Yeah. Um, and they felt like real people, I guess. Um, and I liked The Hunger Games. So, right. you know, I mean, uh, it's 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 horrible. Uh, but but there's an emotional resonance to it that, that's that's certainly something. It's an interesting sort of thing to think about. I, I uh, like the use of arcade in this. I think this is the perfect uh, the perfect extension or continuing of that character. Because mm-hmm. um, if you remember, I mean, this is basically what he's doing now is what he did in the 70s and 80s when John Byrne had him put the X Men in a giant pinball machine and try to kill them. Mm-hmm. Like so, I mean, which I, really he should have done again because really, I, I know honestly, that happened. Yeah, I agree. We're talking pick of the week territory. Yeah, totally. Yeah, if there was a giant, giant pinball typewriter, machine. pinball machine. Yep. Yep. Anything giant. Yep. Uh, Josh loves giant things. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. no, I, I think this is great. I'm on board for it. So the idea of drawing the inside of a giant pinball machine is is incredibly appealing. Yeah. See. So I liked it. I did enjoy it. I'm going to continue on too. All right. Cool. Excellent. It's got to be a, like a limited series, right? I mean. Well, that's why I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, like, they, I mean, how long are they going to stretch out these thirty days? So the premise for those who aren't Talking aware about the of the comic it, industry, yeah, yeah, for, the, for those, <laughs> yeah, for those who aren't aware of the premise, the idea is that Arcade has kidnapped sixteen C and D lister characters and put them on a new murder world, which appears to be an island somewhere. And basically, the idea is that they have to survive, and um, only one can be left standing at the end of the thirty days. And um, and so it's like Highlander, yeah. Which means that they have to kill each other in order if they want to survive. Um, and so the question, so like the you know the book starts out on day twenty three, right? You know, and then flashes back to when it all twenty nine, day twenty nine, yeah, day twenty nine, yeah. So we know that Hazmat and X twenty three make it to day twenty nine. Um, Are they the last two? Maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, we don't know. We're gonna find out. So the question is, how long is it gonna extended? Are the people gonna get off? Are they gonna add more characters? Like uh, that's that, that's kind of what I love about it. It's like this, it's such a crazy idea. Where are they gonna go with it? Yeah, and I like the little uh, energy meters mm. next to their names. That's pretty cool. But um, yeah, so I don't know. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm on board. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, conversely, Cable and the X Force number one was a mess. <laughs> 
Just well, well. First off, I Salvador La Roca. I haven't read his stuff recently because he was doing Iron Man with with Fraction, and and I didn't read that. I remember him being great in the early two thousands. He was, and this is just like I, I. It was shocking. He changed his style completely. We've yeah. seen it on Iron Man. It's no good. Yeah, and then so like I like the idea of a cable fronted X Men X Force team. Um, isn't that what X Force? I mean, isn't that? Yeah, that's what it originally was. Um, and I like seeing Forge and Domino, and and um, I'm not a big fan of Doctor Nemesis or Doctor Nemesis, as I like to call him. Um, um, uh, and of course, a big fan of Colossus. So I like the the concept of the team, but um, the pr- somewhat of the premise is that so Cable at somewhere along the lines that I forgot where, whether it was in X Sanction or during Avengers vs X Men or whatever, but so Cable has been purged of the techno uh, organic virus. Okay. And so now, as a byproduct of that, he lost his eye. Remember his little glowing eye? Um, so that's what's what, he got in there? An, an eye patch. Mm. Yeah, some kind of, some kind of, some kind of eye I never heard of. Some kind of eye. And because of that, his left arm, which was techno organic bionic arm, is now normal arm. And because it was bionic arm, it's all atrophied and, and gimpy. And so he. Um, he has Forge making him a new arm, and it's this awful cliche superhero comics monstrosity of like a bionic arm with little pointy fingers and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, as I'm reading this, I'm like, this is just not what I want to read ever. Why would you ask for an arm like that? Yeah. You could cut yourself very easily with these fingers. I know. Yeah, exactly. Or, or the bathroom becomes a big hazard. Hazard. Yeah. You can't keep pants. Although they, the life of you. Although if he lifts his arm and makes a fist, they shoot rockets. Well, I can see the benefit to that, Yeah, yep. especially sitting in traffic. On the other hand, the trade-off is it's late at night. I'm half asleep. I go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I use the wrong hand. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a, it's a, well, he can take the and arm then, off. He can take the arm off. So, um, oh, That's nice. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, this, this was not I – mean, I mean, this, this, is, this is not anything I want to read. So I'm not, I'm not going to stick with this, surprisingly. All right. So. Demon Knights 15 is the last issue of Paul Cornell's run. And did you guys make it to 15? No, no. Okay. Uh, it was good. It, it really did wrap up their story. It ended in a gigantic battle between three or four different armies, the armies of Hell, the armies of Arthur, the armies of that queen woman, uh, all happening um, in Valhalla. Not Valhalla. That's, that's Thor. In um, Avalon. And uh, it ended with you know, the, the, the defeat of the bad guys and the, 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 the demonized team coming back together. And what you find out is – and it's kind of sad because clearly – Paul Cornell, as the writer of Demon Knights and the writer of Stormwatch in the beginning of the New 52, had a plan because at the end they are dubbed the Stormwatch. So clearly this was the, you know, this, who's uh, going to tie it precursor, together. Precursor, yeah. Um, they, they are the ones who watch for the coming storm. They are the Stormwatch. And uh, so then, you know, it was, it was it, it, if you read these 15 issues that Paul Cornell wrote, it, it was a great story. that went And there was a little... Um, Fun little storytelling device where there's this giant battle going on, but the Stormwatch t- or the Demon Knights team sort of goes off to the side to, to heal Merlin. And so they intersperse everything that's going on with these little tiny red panels of giant ba- of battle sequences. So you can tell going off through the entire issue that they're surrounded by a giant fight. And you never like this guy getting hit with an axe in the face and there's blood. Every- and, but it's all intersperse into the conversations that's going on off to the side. So you, you get nice. the sense that they've never left the battle. Um, Great art from Bernard Chang, and now the next issue jumps ahead 30 years with Robert Venditti of uh, Surrogates re- taking over as writer. And I'll probably try one issue just to see, because I do like this team. I think they have a great dynamic, and I'm inter- interested to see what happens with a 30-year time jump with the, with the characters. But here's, uh, here's a, uh, Go on, Connor. I mean, Josh. I was going to say, I think what happened was they just said you know, he was going to be gone, and, and I was kind of – I was sticking with it, and then I just was—I I, just—I don't know—I lost—I lost momentum with it. I lost steam he did, with it. I think or full fifteen-issue story. So yeah, no, did, and, and I realized that. Um, be working, uh, if you did enjoy this character, which I did. Hmm. Yeah. Here's a question about Robert Venditti: Will he ever not be the guy from the Surrogates? Yes, he's got something bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. how that works. And, yeah. he, and you got to remember that became a Bruce Willis movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what he needs is a Robert Pattinson movie. <laughs> there now you're thinking. Well, whatever that is, yeah. Robert Venditti uh, adds a movie. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Walking Dead 105 uh, firmly established that uh, this uh, Nagin villain character might be my favorite character of The Walking Dead ever. He's uh, he's also Robert Kirkman's favorite character. <laughs> it's just, just like, it's going to be like just six issues of him talking. Yeah, and and not to give anything away, you know, for those who read and trades The Walking Dead thing, whatever, but just the way. 
Kirkman writes this guy and the dialogue, and it's just like I can hear it, you know. And it's just and it's 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 and it's ballsy and brash, and it's it's a, a, a lot of fun to fucked up it's, and a lot of fun to read. It is. It's pretty good. I think the thing that was the most fun about this is that I don't know what's going to happen, and oh, it yeah. keeps kind of getting worse or more more uh, 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 extreme than I expect. Yep. What with the harem. Yeah. <laughs> and and we don't know what's going to happen to Carl, and you just keep thinking that Penny's going to drop, and they just keep not dropping it, which is a thing, by the way, that, that Kirkman's done many, 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 many times over the course of this series. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was interesting. I, I, I would have maybe, maybe backed out a little bit, but, you know, it's a thing. That's his book. It's a character piece. That's the kind of thing you can do in this book, and he's got the latitude to sort of play with it. And one thing is, it, you know, at the end, he's, he's sort of firmly established – who that character is and, and his endless soliloquies. Yeah, which are great, though. I love them. <laughs> endless soliloquies. <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs> um, so I, with Winter Soldier number 13, I realized that I'm really going to miss this title. Yep. I mean, and it's not even – I mean, Brubaker's telling a, a good story, but Butch Geis and with this issue drawing Wolverine, Daredevil, Hawkeye, Captain America, like it is, it is a fun Marvel Universe story. I just like it. I feel like it's, we've unearthed, unearthed Gene Colan comics from the past. Right? It's, oh, man. Like, this is just so, it's just so, it was such, it's so delightful to look at. Yeah, it, it really is. Also, is. I think, I mean, the story is a huge part of it. I think this sure, is, yeah. this, he's, di- he's dialed into these characters. He's basically using everybody he really likes to write. He's using Captain America and Bucky and, and Wolverine and Black Widow and Daredevil and, and he, you know. <laughs> One of Hawkeye. these guys looks out of place, by the way. And Hawkeye's ridiculously stupid glasses. That, yeah, uh, yeah. That are triangle shaped. How much of a? How much of a? How much of skill on both uh, Geist, but also Brubaker's um, part? The scene on the rooftop with Daredevil with the helicopter and the introduction of Cap and Cap, you know, and getting Cap's monologue and him depending on Daredevil, knowing that he's there, like. Mm-hmm. To show how these heroes work together and just kind of click when they, you know, like the the pros of the pros, you know, like I thought that was showed a real mastery of the of the characters and and the actions they take. Um, yeah, yeah. You think you think that uh, Jordy Belair got the script and was like, oh, so a lot of fucking rain, yeah. a lot of rain every fucking page. All right, yeah, yeah. no, fine, rain. We'll rain. <laughs> uh, you know what my favorite thing about this was actually what? the uh, the. Um, I guess the the patch era Wolverine. Yes, <laughs> I love it. He looks just like uh, was is that was that Busma also Busma and Claremont, right? Yeah, that was Busma. Yep. Yeah, it yep. looks like that, and I yeah. love it. Yep, yep. But the hair is there's no attempt to make the hair look more realistic. No, yeah, and the and the sideburns go all the way up to the to the mouth line, like to the, yes. the frown lines. Yeah, that's <laughs> that brown jacket on. Yep. I think that's the outfit that he was wearing. The read the penthouse in. I yeah. mean, just it's a great, yep. it's a great looking Wolverine. Yeah, and just to clarify, Patch normally wore like a he wore like a tuxedo because he was a nightclub owner. But I know what you mean that yeah. that that Wolverine solo series early on. Yeah, yeah, no, the the head. Basically. Uh, they should bring back Patch, by the way. Like the fact that Wolverine would go off to Madripoor and be someone else, which is weird. He's <laughs> weird though. Honest, he would have some really quirks weird. by now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's really weird. <laughs> it would be like if one of you guys like. Like on the weekends, Josh goes off, and his name is Bill. No, and like, and the thing is, is that he just he just put an eye patch on. He still's got the fucking hair and the sideburns and everything. Like, it's you're clearly Logan. Like, it's just like it's fairly yeah. well known by by now. Like, he's a, been an Avenger for a while too. Like, so maybe least, that's why he can't do it. At least slick your hair back or something. But like, there was just no attempt. <laughs> and it's, it's not like he has, it's not like he hasn't hung out in Madripoor a lot. You know, it's just like, oh, I love it. <sighs> All right, sorry. That would be the next. I'm just flipping through these pages and looking at them, and they really are wonderful. Yep. Except except for Hawkeye's glasses. They're awful. Batman 15, the People's Choice, um, is the uh, next issue in the Death of the Family storyline. This is the issue. uh, It's kind of the bridge between the last part of the story, which is with the Joker, uh, makes himself known to Batman, to the next part of the story, which in which we will find out the Joker's plan. Uh, this is sort of the decompression issue where the family gets together and says, what the hell's going on? Everybody gets mad at, at Bruce. What I really like about this issue is it does a lot establishing the sort of tone, the dread of the of the characters. And one thing you can tell, and I think maybe Josh uh, knows this better than anyone, is that uh, when you're a father, like Bruce is the surrogate father to these people and the real father to Damien, uh, the, this, the, th- the, the dread not comes not from your safety but from their safety. And in this issue... 
or this story, it's all about the kids being in trouble. So I think that's really where Bruce's game is thrown off is that he's not worried about himself so much as his kids are the ones that are in danger and the Joker's going after his kids. And so then the other, the other side of that is that they are all coming after him for wanting to know more to be able to help themselves and, and he wants them to be safe and not worry about it. So he's, he's taking it all on his shoulders and he's not telling them anything. He's not talking to them. He's not... I think uh, it really is, is Scott Snyder's meditation on being a father, you know, the danger, the dangers inherent of it, especially in a, in a lifestyle like this. Uh, you know, people wonder why Bruce isn't being more helpful. It's because he's terrified. Mm-hmm. You know, not a lot scares him, but he's got kids and he's a dad. It doesn't, you know, even Batman worries about his kids. So uh, that, I really like that part a lot. I love the backup story with the Riddler being introduced. They thankfully mm-hmm. discarded the first issue design, which if you recall from that first issue, issue when he had a... Uh, Question mark Mohawk. Yeah. All that one oh. panel in Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Um, they've gone back to the traditional look uh, here. I think it. Jock just is like, I'm not drawing. I'm not drawing. <laughs> no. um, the, the one thing about this is I think that I think this arc more than any of the arcs in Batman so far just show the, like, I feel like this, this and I've said it before, I think this is Snyder's shining. Like, Snyder's showing, like, he's, this is, he's a real writer. You know, like, mm-hmm. it, like, this is written really, really well. Um my complaint has been like like with the last issue and again with this issue is the non-action scenes. I feel like Capullo is somewhat rushing through them. Um, I don't feel as if they're as sharp as the the earlier stuff. Um, but that said, the action sequences and specifically the the one page flashback with the Joker blimp mm-hmm. was just fu- it was just beautiful. There yeah. are there are there are a lot of Robins. Yeah, there are a lot of there Robins. are a lot of Robins. Maybe, yeah. maybe one to two too many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plus Batgirl. Batgirl's fine. She's she's. she's I'm just. There was a lot of people standing there demanding answers. It felt like I was reading an Avengers Bendis comic. Times. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind a couple of Robins being lost along the wayside. Yeah, that's a that's a, I my by the way my favorite page of this uh, was in the backup. Uh, it was the the jock page of all the the guards carrying the horse upside down down the hallway. <laughs> I would like very much to own that page. Yeah, it. Uh, Whatever the Joker's got planned, clearly it's fucked up. He's taken over Arkham Asylum. He's, he's, he's enacting something really bad. He's gathering his forces there. And, uh, and whatever it is involves a, a horse. It's going to be big. I get a feeling it's going to be big. So. What? How does the horse fit in? Because here's the thing. Why if can't they, they just leave the horse? If they do not address the question of the horse, this could be our new closet. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, let's pay attention to it. We're on the, on the horse beat. Yeah, just walk. <laughs> so, well, the uh, horse is dead. He shoots the horse. So. There's going to have to have another horse. <laughs> they were bringing the horse for something. Why didn't they just walk it in? <laughs> He's insane. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, so um, if there are any comic book fans in your world or Batman fans, you cannot go wrong with picking up uh, the Batman by Snyder Capullo uh, this Christmas. You can give it, give them the nice little hardcover of the first arc, um, and you can get that at Amazon.com. Holidays are coming. Uh, I've done. I've finished all my Christmas shopping, and I did it all on Amazon. And I urge you to do the same because it makes it so easy. And you can help iFanboy out in the process. Just go to iFanboy.com/slash/Amazon. Click on the big old banner there, or um, or on along the navigation on iFanboy.com under store. You can click the uh, the Amazon link right there, and all your purchases go uh, towards helping iFanboy a little out. Um, so might as well kill two birds with one stone. And we thank everybody who's done that so far this holiday season. And we hope that you're not stressing too stressing out too much over your presence um it's a festive time of year so i i got you both that hardcover the batman hardcover uh, i already have it connor well now you have two yeah all right why did you buy me two of them that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> all right cool so um amazing spider-man number 699.1 uh was uh written by joe keating who is a friend of the show and uh and full disclosure i uh have been editing Hell Yeah for him over at Image Comics, but it was interesting to see him write a Marvel comic. Yeah, it was good. D- did you think? Did you think so? I thought so. I did. No, I I thought I thought it was pretty good. I don't. I feel like uh, obviously this can't be the first time that we've seen a Morbius origin story, but it felt like uh, let's just let's just lay this all out on the ground and start start from scratch. And uh, yeah. and it, like at first I was like I don't really care, and then by the end I was like. What's gonna happen? Well, and and that, that's exactly what Marvel wants because this is the lead into the Morbius series, which Keating is writing. Um, and you know, because that you know, Spider Man, you know, for some reason, Whacker and the Amazing Spider Man point ones don't really—they're not jumping on points for Spider Man. They're launching points for other series, like they did with Venom and other things like I was that. Just ignoring the point one, I just yeah. forgot. Just, as long as I don't think it's there, it's cool. I really liked Antonio Fabella's art, though. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. it had the, had a very nice European kind of feel to it. Um, 
but yeah, I, I was I was impressed. I, like Morbius is not a character I'm I'm a fan of, and uh, I, I only know him from the the animated series. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Because whenever whenever I watched that show, it was always him. Yeah. Like like for I had this problem. You were disappointed, with, weren't you? Yeah. Well, there was always either that one or the one with Smythe. You wanted like Rhino, or you wanted yes. the like, yeah. Shocker. Always get the Morbius. I'm a big Shocker fan. I like Shocker. Yeah. So. Mm. Sherlock Holmes and Liverpool Demon number one is the second Sherlock Holmes miniseries from Dynamite written by Leah Moore who uh, has a famous father. Um, And uh, she's a co-writer is um, opening it up. But uh, they did. Yes. They did did the first miniseries sometime. It was many years ago. Sometimes around the time of that first Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie. And now that Sherlock Holmes is back with two television shows and uh, probably a third movie somewhere along the line, they've got another miniseries. This one is about uh, uh, Steeple Jack. What's it? What's that guy's name? Steel Spring Springer Hill Spring 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 Hill Jack Spring Hill Jack Spring Hill Jim Spring Hill Jack. Remember him from uh, from, uh, from Proof? There's, yes. a, there's a Morrissey song called Spring Hill Jim. Well, this is Spring Hill Jack. He's okay. a he's a you know like a uh, urban legend in uh, Liverpool. So. Holmes and Watson found themselves in another case, and as they were about to leave on the train to go back to London, they get caught up in another another case, and that's where we start. The art's a little wonky it's, at times. Holmes looks a bit like Ben Crosby, but yeah. other than that, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Peace oh. on earth. <laughs> <laughs> Rumpa pum pum. Elementary. You're a Sherlock Holmes. Wow. What happened there? <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Bing Crosby, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, yeah. Well, if you enjoy Sherlock Holmes, you probably really enjoyed this miniseries. The last one was really good. It was a locked door mystery. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes was accused of murder. It was good. You were you were hearing the sound of catharsis, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so Buffy the Vampire Slayer season nine number number sixteen. I, I, it's like, and I know, I know what Josh is going to say to this, whatever. But every first issue of a Buffy arc, I'm always like, this is the one. <laughs> this is the one that's going to get good again. <laughs> How many issues has it been now? Well, this is season nine, issue sixteen. So, so yeah, years. Yeah, it's been six years at least. Um, this kind of uh, they've firmly uh, introduced the the vampire zombie hybrids uh, or. Um, Vampires or zombi- zombires or whatever they call them in the sh- in the in the comic mm-hmm. now, and um and there's a cop that Buffy's been working with. There's a little bit of romance interest in there, and George Jonti's back on art, and and it was really good. Um, uh, Andrew Chambliss wrote it. Um, it, it, but I know like every arc has started out like, okay, this is promising. Let's see where it goes, and then it meanders and doesn't get, you know doesn't doesn't do it for me. But I know I should drop it at some point, but I still stick with it. So. That's the story of your life. Yeah. Battlefields. Battlefields. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I think that I think Garth Ennis needs to write a book about war, and I need to read it. I, I I'd be fine as if Carlos Escara can draw parts of it. Well, I mean that cool no, too. I mean that first page that's all prose about the war. He needs to write a book, yeah. a prose book. I would, yeah, I would, I would, I would totally read that. I'll read that. The last issue, I think that we had uh, some some issues with just because it was a lot of uh, recapping. Uh, but this one, right back at it. This was great. Um, it was, yeah. I, I know that. I know it's just great. It's just so great, and uh, I, I like that we're in a different sort of spot. There's an untenable position at a hill in Korea, and 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 it was about what the the mindset of how this happens and how the people who are there are mostly going to get um, killed. They all do. And, yes, and it was uh, it was it was really interesting, and I thought that it dealt with uh, emotional moments in that sort of strange stunted male soldier way that, that we, that we see sometimes. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, this way of, of yeah. you know, this is, these are, these are up, up in the same way the Fury Max dealt with it in that, in that issue where they yeah. were all captured. It's like these, we got a job to do no matter how awful it is. And, yeah. and, uh, I've really come great. to like the, um, I can't think of his name right now. The, the Jordy, mm-hmm. um, who at first it was just kind of a challenge to to read his dialogue and, and make sense of it, but now I have it down and I read it just sort of straight out, um, and and I, I like him a lot. He's a, he's a really interesting character. It's sad as one one more issue. Yeah. Of the yeah whatever. Take take what we can get, man. I, I, this was great. Yeah, and Iscara is just wonderful. I mean, they've worked together forever, mm-hmm. um, so that's good too. 
So I, I had pretty much dropped all the before Watchmen titles except for Minutemen and, and uh, Silk Spectre. Um, and I can't remember if I read before Watchmen Rorschach number two or not. Uh, but I saw number three on the racks, and the Lee Bermejo cover was so genius. I'm like, I'm gonna buy it because and? I thought it was great. Um, the cover, and just so you know, the cover, it's like somebody's boot kicking through wood, and the it's. I was, I'm looking at it right now. It's really wonderful. It's amazing. I love these. Yeah. So the boot, so the boot is kicking through wood, and the wood is breaking, and it forms the hat and the jacket of Rorschach, and then the boot, uh, the the rubber sole of the boot print is the Rorschach. You know, the the, the face. And it's just like, and for a second, I was like, "What is?" This? And then I, and then it like, it's almost like a magic eye painting where you like your eye gets into focus, and you're like, "Oh, there it is," right? Which I think is just is awesome. Um, I mean, this is just a, a street level Rorschach story, but I found it interesting, and this so I could go back. I want to go back and see if I read the second issue, but eh, it's it's Azarello doing Rorschach as a taxi driver. Yeah, I read that online. Yeah, because he because Rorschach goes to a diner and asks the girl out and asks her out to a movie and it was, or take her to dinner and then she turns him down but says, "Oh, we can get dessert or you know like," and it's like, "Oh, this is this is Travis Bickle." That's awful. Yeah, kind of. That's awful and unnecessary and not yeah. Every, anyway. Yeah. So. So yeah, but uh, but that cover. Whew. It's a nice cover. Good cover. You know what's yeah. the problem with comics? What? Look at all the look at all the titles of the books we just talked about in this segment. You got long, stupid titles in all of them. You got a point one in there, a lot of a lot of hyphens. Yeah, I don't like it. Ugh. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Colons, not hyphens. That's what I mean. <laughs> nothing, so worse, those are the, nothing worse those, than colons. Those are the books ah. we're going to talk about this week. You can go to ifanboy.com/slash/comics. You can make your pull list every week. You can rate and review your books, and uh, you can also make your own pick of the week. And right now, we're going to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the users at the time of this recording. So it might change by the time you, you check it out. I know you all check afterwards. I know I do. <laughs> Sits there staring at it like a stock ticker. So number five would be the massive number seven, which came in at 1.9% of the votes. And if you know anything, you know that the first book has 1%. That means the top book is probably Batman. Uh, number four is Conan and the Barbarian, number 11, with 2.8% of the votes. That is the official FMI pick of the week. Number three, The Walking Dead 105 with 9.2%. Number two, Avengers Arena, number one, 9.3%, showing that a lot of the angst was lost after having read it. And number one... Batman 15 with 67.5% of the votes, which is low for Batman, but still Dominant. enough to dominate the, the list. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. All right, cool. So on to the user reviews. Um, you can go to ifanboy.com slash comics, and you can choose to write a review of your comics. And Marcavo uh, wrote a review of Point of Impact number three from Image Comics and gave the story a four out of five and the art a five out of five. And at the time of this recording, 0.5% of you also made it your pick of the week. And uh, Marcavo says, this issue is full of explanation. You're still left wondering why, but the how is yet to be explained. The next issue promises to be action-packed as the Boone is now part of the ex-military special projects. Rafferty is convinced Boone is her murderer, and Detective Warren is now after them both. The art is terrific, and the story, despite being so simple, keeps you guessing all the way to the end. If you're happy with happy and stumped to find another great mystery read in the crime genre of Stumptown, go pick up the last three issues of Point of Impact. And, um, yeah, I totally agree with him. I actually haven't read these. I, I made the decision this time to – I got all the issues. I'm going to read them all in one sitting. But I purchased all the issues, but I flipped through it, and the art, it's a wonderful black and white kind of crime art, which is really beautiful. So, mm. uh, Will Magnus uh, read To Hell You Ride number one. He gave the story a 5 out of 5 in the art, a 5 out of 5. Pick of the week is 1.3%, which I, I doesn't feel right, but I feel like I did it. We'll find out. Anyway, uh, while looking for something new on the stands, I came across To Hell You Ride. Admiring the cover and curious by the title, I decided to give it a try. Talk about rolling the dice and coming up a winner. To Hell You Ride number one was excellent. was an excellent read that has, excited, has me excited for the next issue. Lance Henriksen issue. and Joseph Mad- Madry's narration does an outstanding job setting up this mystical revenge story based on the violation of, an, of a Native American sacred burial ground and one man's journey to understand his place in it all. Stories well-constructed and, and engaging. This, the art by Tom Mandrake brings the supernatural tale to life with his textured world and haunting imagery. This first issue almost fell below my radar, and I'm so glad I picked it up. It's the perfect mix of supernatural, mystery, and horror. It makes us a must-read. Must read. 0.2% is the current pick. Yeah, that's a, that sounds more right. He really, he really liked it. This yeah. reviewer, Lance yeah. Hendrickson, huh? That's a great title, by the way. To hell you ride! It, it is, yeah. and I noticed it every time I went through the list, and I saw it on the shelf, and I was like, "That sounds great." I didn't want a supernatural western, but awesome. Yeah. Good for you. Just, just, just give us a, a regular western, so Josh, me, and two other guys will buy it. Hmm. I, I understand that. Yes, and I understand the pressures of the marketplace. However, yeah. <clears throat> to hell you ride! 
I, I, I gotta say, you know, like I see Lance, Lance Hendricks's name, and it's not, it's not, it's a deterrent more than it is an enticement. Hey. I'd like you to say that to his face. Yeah, he'll fuck you up. Have you? He seems like a very thoughtful gent. To hell you ride. He's actually he's really into MMA. <laughs> really? No, I don't know. I'm glad that was the acronym you went with. <laughs> it could have gone a lot worse. To hell let's, you ride. Let's do a couple of emails. The first email is from Peter T. And Peter writes and says, A few weeks ago I picked up The Amazing Spider-Man 698 and during the big reveal I felt a little cheated. How did I do it? Not telling. It felt in the moment like lazy writing, especially given that so few issues left to go, there was a good chance that this was how we were going to get our new superior Spider-Man. Then issue 699 came out and it was explained in a way that not only makes sense, but looking back you could tell they were building to this moment for a lot longer than I gave them credit for. Then I picked up the new Thunderbolts, and like Ron, I was annoyed at the lack of continuity or reasons for why this team exists. But then I thought, stopped and thought about, thought, well, wait, there's no way this won't, they won't cover Ross's reasoning to create the team, probably through some flashback scene, either in the middle of, of or as he walks away from a heated verbal battle with his new teammates. And with the Punisher Warzone not yet wrapped, isn't there a chance they may explain away the eye patch and the play, playoff beard? And as long as it eventually leads to a comic with a splash page of Daredevil, I mean, sorry, Deadpool, the Punisher and Venom spraying bullets, doesn't ma- really matter how they got there. I guess my question is, in the medium of ongoing storytelling and ever-evolving worlds, is there such a thing as a plot, plot hole or a continuity error, or should we just roll with it? Well, and, that, and that's, the, that's the eternal debate. I mean, and I can guess that probably both you and Josh are going to say, just roll with it, who cares, it's the story or whatever. But if you're coming to the, if you're coming to the board a fan of the universe as I am, I'm a fan of the Marvel universe, I, I, like what attracted me to it was that continuity and that shared universe. And the thing is, is that like I can go with a story as much as anybody can, but it's got to be within reason. It's got to be within within some you know some level of like like for example like like Nova is a great great example. We just um, on, on Friday I we spoke I spoke to Jeff Loeb on the Marvel press conference and he's talking about the new Nova series. You know they introduced that character a year ago and then he was in AVX and they did the digital comic and now they're coming back around to doing this series and they're going to go back to before we first were introduced to him. So the continuity is all over the place already. But, like, I don't care because I just want to – I love Nova and I want to hear more about it. And, okay, and as long as there's some semblance of trying to make it, have it make sense. But in the Marvel Universe, I feel like you've got to at least try to make it make sense. I think Thunderbolts is, is egregious. I disagree with Spider-Man. I know – and Josh and I talked about this last week on the show. But I thought Spider-Man 698 and 699 have been great for my money as far as Spider-Man goes. And I, I, I get that the complaint about 698, but I'm okay with going with it. But Thunderbolts, it was just like – it was just no regard for on any character level. So I think I uh, I can see that point of view and I understand it, um, but I I think the audience will forgive a lot if the story's really good. I think once if the story's not really good, then, then you start to focus on the little things. I think, and I, from what I've heard, and I didn't read uh, Thunderbolts, but from what I heard, it wasn't very good. So. There's nothing left to, but right. But the re- the reason why it wasn't very good. I mean, the thing was that, that that Thunderbolts was Red Hulk, Punisher, Deadpool, Venom templates that were there, and right. and it, and well, that's what, how team books usually work no, anyway. I know, no, but what made it not very good was that at least for me, what made it not good, like it was written fine. The story made sense, and I thought you know Red Hulk General General Ross was going around recruiting people, and that made sense, and you know whatever. But what made it not good was the disregard for who these characters are, where they were right before this, and all that sort of thing. You know, I don't think they're going to explain away the 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 eye, the eye and the beard on Punisher. Just like oh, here's the Punisher, and that you're expected to just roll with it, and that's the point of the number one. And I get that. I'm just choosing not to play because of it. So. Fair enough. Yeah. I just think you're going to win sometimes, you're going to not. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it depends on what the book is. And if you sort of know more about the forces behind everything, you know, it'll make more sense to you, I yep. think. You know, if you, if you, you think about, well, well, Greg Ruckett did this Punisher book that was kind of off the radar and he went and he did his own thing. And, you know, that's really, that, that, that book is really the one that was off the reservation, not, not the, the Thunderbolts book. Right. Really. Uh, and, and honestly, if, if I'm a fan of that Punisher book and one of the eight people still reading it, you know, I, I don't want them to tie it into Thunderbolts at the end. That's going to be shitty. Yep. Yep. But that's my point of view. Your point of view is different. You want to see a splash pool of Deadpool and Venom shooting. I, you know, that's not what I want, but that's in, you're a different kind of fan. That's fine. 
and they have different approaches. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's like okay, like I get the I get the common thread across all those characters, and I think you know like Thunderbolts and Th- Thunderbolts and General Thunderbolt Ross slash Red Hulk is a good fit. Like I get it all, and that's what they're choosing to do, and that's fine. I just don't you know I don't need to play with it. Now, so, yeah. in the short term, you know, dude said Red uh, uh, Amazing Spider Man six ninety eight, and was like, this doesn't make sense, and it's like you gotta have some patience there, exactly. man. They're gonna, they're gonna leave some breadcrumbs. Uh, longer term, you know, what's in the freaking closet? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so our next email uh, comes from Alex, who says, While I know that everyone and their great Aunt Harriet has a Batman story squirreled away in their brains to be used when they finally achieve their great desire of becoming a comic book writer, I'm constantly wondering how to become another kind of writer. I want to write about comic books, like all the fine folk at iFanboy. How does one in this digitally mad world get an opportunity to be a contributor for a comic-centric website? Sure, I know the easy answer would be to start your own website and write about whatever you like, but as far as getting to write for an established and respected site, how does one go about being considered a contributor? I'm sure the last thing any of you guys want is to have your email inboxes swamped with unwanted writing samples and resumes. So is there a professional protocol for submitting candidacy or a possible writer, either paid or unpaid? Thanks for your time. Run! (laughs) Run! Run! Uh, You're right. I do not want my inbox to look like that. That Too late. Correct. Uh, I know. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, what you just said, the easy answer, that's the answer. And the thing is, it's not just that. And that's the thing that people don't get. They go, oh, I write stuff and nobody reads it. Well, good. You have to write. You have to be good at it. And you have to say things that are, A, good enough to get noticed. And then you also have to go out there, network and market yourself to get noticed. We are not uh, – we're not hiring just as a rule. And, and if we do, uh, it's usually people we know. It's people we have a relationship with. So somebody who just writes us uh, – you know, it probably doesn't have a very good chance. Uh, and I'm guessing that's the way that it works for a lot of people because these are sort of small, tight-knit groups. There ain't a lot of cash in it, if any, for most, for most people. And, and you got to do it for fun and, and you want to have a certain kind of aesthetic. Um, so, you know, how do you do it? Well, you, you, you work your butt off. You create something unique. Uh, either that, that might come from your voice, that might come from your approach, that might come from uh, the access you get or the relationships you have. And it, it takes a really long time. And, you know, if that's something that's important to you, it can be done if you have the tenacity and the talent. Um, that's my take. Yeah. I mean, I think that's all accurate. I think, I think people who have been discovered a lot – there are different ways for people to get discovered. Some people start a blog that hardly anybody reads, but it's good, and eventually someone finds it, and they go, that guy's good, and they hire him. Um, most people we've, we've brought out, people we've known, uh, either pers- personally or people who have done a really good job in the being part of the community, being smart and funny writers in the comments, or people who've done their own stuff and we've noticed it and, and liked it. But that it. was so also when it was a much smaller community. No, I know, yeah. but that, there's just many, the point is there's many different ways it's happened, but, the, but it's all boils down to they were good writers. Yeah, but nobody and, has ever sent me, here's a sample I did, will you hire me? Because there's just there's too many of that and, and right. they, don't, they don't stand out. So that doesn't usually work. But you, you're, you're, you're not going – it's just like comics. You're, you're not going to get anywhere unless you start doing it by yourself first. Yeah. It's exactly the same in that yeah. sense. We, we did it by ourselves for five years with no audience. Yeah, with nobody caring and, and at all. And, and, and even though that was like the nascent kind of blogosphere and that sort of thing, I mean kind of what, what happens at least for me is that like I, I generally – like I've yet to get – somebody send something in and be like, oh my god, this is the, the, this is the next great comic media writer because that doesn't Which. exist. But, um, you know, but what it is, I've looked at people who I like with – I've looked at their writing elsewhere and – and part of it, and you know, Josh kind of mentioned this, is interacting with the community, right? You know, it's, it's, it's setting up a blog spot or setting up a Tumblr and writing reviews and then just tweeting them out doesn't really do it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, what, it if, is, what if a creator retweets that one? Then right. they've surely made it. Right. Yeah, no. I mean, it, that's, not always, that's, not, that's not part of the game. You know? and, and part of the game is interacting with some of the other media people, not being a dick. Um, not that people are dicks, but I'm just saying, but like, you know, becoming, becoming known, a known thing. So when people hear your name, it's not like, oh, you know, like it's, it's, it's some recognizable. And if you look at the people who have written for us or the people who write for other sites and stuff like that, and if you follow all of us on Twitter, you see there's kind of a, you know, a, I don't want to say camaraderie, but a, there's a community pseudo there. Community. There's a pseudo community that is not closed off. Anybody can be a part of it, you know, like here's, it's not, you know. Here's the thing. Uh, Ron and I were actually talking about this uh, when we first uh, we're gonna, we're gonna go back. We were going to San Diego for years, but for a while we had no idea what we were talking about. No idea. Uh, and and the thing is, is that 
while uh, comics is a very small niche uh, and is actually not a huge audience for most of it, it is very spe- specific. It's and there's a lot to know about it. And if you don't understand the whole, it can make it hard to write about it and sound like you know what you're talking about. So my advice would be to talk about things that you feel confident that you know about. Um, a lot of people write about the industry from a fan perspective. They don't know a lot about it and they come off sounding uh, ignorant. Yeah. Uh, so I would say take it slow in terms of here's what I think and blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, look at it, look at it objectively. Step back. Uh, your passion is good, but people, when people write with passion about comics, uh, sometimes that, that passion gets misdirected. Yeah. Um, and and the, the, other thing, the other thing I was going to say too is that while we're not hiring and sending us something, that doesn't mean that other sites aren't. And if you look around, there are you know, comic websites and comic bl- uh, blogs and comic podcasts now, for better or for worse, are somewhat a dime a dozen. And they're popping that, up everywhere. They're popping up everywhere. And so there are many, many sites out there who, who while aren't CBR, iFanboy, Newsarama, you know, IGN, whatever the, 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 you know, the, the sites that are out there, there are other people who are, were essentially us you know, six years ago who are trying to get to that level and they need help. And so go look to see what sites, you know, do a search, Google search for comic book and see if they're, are they posting regularly? Are they giving good thought of it? Do you like what you're reading? And all that sort of thing. And maybe, you know, you know, like, you know, that, I was going to make a Grease reference, but I won't. Um, <laughs> at the end, when the, princip- when the principal's addressing everybody, maybe out there there's another young Richard Nixon. Or like, maybe out there there's another iFanboy that we haven't even met yet. So, you know, so, yeah. You, you do have to, I think you have to bring something to it that, that is new. Yeah, that is unique. That is that is you and and, and nothing else. And that's going to be, you know, and, and hope that's hope that that's appealing. And, and also understand it will not be appealing to everybody. You know, yeah. there's lots of people who like what I write about, and there's lots of people who don't, and that they like what Connor write, you know writes and, about. Or and be careful because everyone that works in the comic book industry is uh, very. Choose my words wisely. I very, want to know what you're going to say. Skin. Very aware of what is being said about them, and whether they choose to react publicly or privately, they have reactions. And there are, you know, and and if you go, if you write this great anti Jeff Lobrant that you know, and and everybody's like, oh, it's hysterical. He totally sick burned him or whatever. Good chance Jeff, it's going to cross Jeff Loeb's plate, and good chance when when you get to the point where you get to interview Jeff Loeb, he's not going to want to talk to you. Or Marvel, yeah, or Marvel at all, yeah, which yeah. We, which has happened, which we you know like not Mar- I mean I don't want to give any specific people or publishers or anything like that, but there have been cases with publishers and writers where because of the way people have dealt with stuff, they're just like we don't want to do business with you, which is their prerogative, you know. Well, it doesn't mean you shouldn't criticize things. It just means no, yeah, no, you'd be smart a, about it. Be smart. Do about it in it. a in yeah. a fair way. I think <laughs> at the end of the day, though, it's just you have to be good. Especially mm-hmm. with so many different options, you have to be good. And if you're good, you'll get I, most likely you'll get found by somebody yep. somewhere. You start climbing up the ladder of of sites, but you just you have to you have to be good. There's a lot of people out there who, and I don't, I'm not joking. This is Alex because I don't know Alex, but a lot of people think they're good. They're not. Yep. You got to be good. Yep. Agreed. Cool. So if and, you, and you, you might not be good for a while. Yeah. So you can send all of your writing samples to Josh at ifanboy.com and he'll be happy to critique and give you feedback and maybe ifanboy.com. <laughs> send send us email to contact at ifanboy.com with questions, not writing samples. Um, on to the voicemail. Our first voicemail has got a question that is near and dear to my heart. Hey, my name is Jared. I'm from California. I was calling in regards to the closet. I think I might have figured it out. I'm rereading Avengers 26 by Bendis and Malieve right now, and I don't think it's a closet. I think Scarlet Witch, I hope this is the closet you guys are always talking about. Anyways, I think Scarlet Witch refers to the fact that her Aunt Agatha is sleeping, and then her and uh, Barton hook up, and then he walks over, and I think it's the doorway to another room of the house, and he wants to check to see if Aunt Agatha's there, but he's too scared to, because if she's there then he's going to be even more wigged out. Anyway, I hope that helps. But, uh. Well, that's a theory. <laughs> Certainly a theory. Yeah, Josh, so. you want to explain? Because every time we talk about the closet on the show, which has been a lot lately because it's fun, uh, there's at least three or four people in the comments or on Twitter asking what the hell we're talking about. So why don't we, for once and for all, explain what it is. Explain the, the story of the closet. I, I, I'm going to try. It's been a really long time, and it's at this point where it's like a legend. So let me, let me try to get through it, and then they'll tell me what I, what I said wrong about it. Uh Clint Barton was killed ostensibly in uh, in Brian's Bendis's first uh, take on the Avengers. Avengers disassembled, 
And he said, not like this, but like this. That's the part that gets lost. And then they brought him back. And he woke up and he was in – was he in Latveria? No, no. Well, hold on. Yeah. Say so then they then Scarlet Witch said no more mutants and it became House of M. And in the House of M world, oh, right. Hawkeye was there. And then when House of M ended and everything got put back to the normal universe, House of M Hawkeye was in the Marvel universe. And somehow he ended up on Wondagore Mountain and met a young girl, not young girl, but he met a woman named Wanda who was clearly the Scarlet Witch but had no memory of being the Scarlet Witch and was just living with her Aunt Agatha. And then they hooked up. And so then, and then saying- at the And then at the end of that issue – and I gotta dig it up. I gotta find it. Yeah, no, the, you remember more than I do. But wait, yeah. wait, wait. Before we, are you saying that this Hawkeye is not our Hawkeye? He's Co- the House of M Hawkeye. Correct. Whoa! But the theory, the theory behind that is Hawkeye didn't because the whole attack on Avengers Disassemble was Scarlet Witch driven. That when he said not like this and went to the thing, he didn't actually die. He just kind of – Scarlet Witch made everybody think he died, and then when it flipped over to House of M world, House of M Hawkeye was just Hawkeye in the House of M. So, so it's the same Hawkeye. Going, Why are you all acting so weird? Yeah, yeah. But, but, Why but, are you but, so but, old, but, Captain America? But the thing is my understanding was that when House of M reset, it was House of M Hawkeye. It wasn't like – he was just back to being Clint Barton. It was like – you know what I mean? Like I, and so and – at the, and at the end of that issue, there was some reference to – what was behind this door and we've called it a closet i've actually i have thought similar similarly um to the same thought that jared has which is that you know we don't we don't know for sure it's a closet i gotta dig up the issue it might just be a door but the so, idea wait i thought clint was gay <laughs> no. i got all this wrong <laughs> um and so I've, I've had the similar thought that maybe it's just a door but the thing was is that bendis clearly was doing something with house of m hawkeye in the normal marvel universe and something with this door and just kind of never finished it and so then from there, as a joke once during an interview, I just said, New Avengers 26, what's behind the door? And he laughed it off, and he's like, ah, you'll know, you know, like, you'll, you'll find out, or like, he finally played it off. And then over the years, um, one thing, and Josh and Connor can attest to this, I can be a uh, persistent, stubborn motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and so I then decided... Nice I decided every time I talk to Bendis, I'm going to ask about the closet, whether we're talking about Avengers or not. So, Why don't you reverse the roles and see how you would feel if somebody did that to you every time? I know, I know. But my whole thing is that is that I believe, you know, and, and in an interview at C2E2 a couple of years ago, he actually said it was meant to be like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. But that has to have be, be brought up again. It has yeah. to be the, the briefcase in Pulp Fiction is a MacGuffin that leads to a story. That, the story didn't go anywhere. Right, agreed. Exactly. So, um, so whether you believe Bendis or not, I, be- I believe that there was a story there that n- he never got to, and I just want to know what it was and what's behind the door, and that's why I keep asking. Well, I mean, and we talked about it a lot. We, we never let it go yeah. before you got to Bendis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah that's, I mean, that, that was really the origin, and then talking yeah. to, bringing Bendis into it was really just having fun with it. So, yeah. yeah. Really, yeah. though, what is in there? <laughs> I know, right? Don't you want to know? I said, <laughs> yes! Yeah, so anyway. We're not fucking around here. Not fucking around at all. We're not fucking around at all. So give us a call. Leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Um, I fanboy don't miss is another podcast that we do where we talk to creators um, about books that are coming out um, around the holidays. Schedule gets a little wonky, but uh, go subscribe to it in iTunes um, and go to ifanboy.com every Monday to check out that new episode. Yeah, there's also the Make Comics podcast, which didn't happen this week. I'm sorry about that, but there'll be another one next week. Uh, and um, yeah, that's I have no excuse for you. <laughs> but it's, uh, subscribe to it in iTunes. You can find it on yeah. iFanboy.com. Uh, it's, Two it's swings and, and misses, huh? Yeah. Huh? It's the holidays. It's rough. Well, but don't miss. Uh, I'll tell you after the show. <laughs> oh, it was like that. Yeah. I, just had, I just had pick of the week. I didn't have time to do it that day, and then yeah. the other, it gets away from you. But it's me and Andy Schmidt, and we talk about uh, uh, how to make comics. And uh, we we got a good batch of them uh, on the way that, are, that you, you will get. It's just not as regular as I would like. I'm sorry. Yeah, cool. We are rapidly approaching the holidays. They are much quicker than I would like them to be coming. But uh, as we get there, I'd like to keep you abreast of the schedule. It's, this show comes out December 16th. Uh, the next week's show, December 23rd, will be the last pick of the week of the year. The week after that, December 30th, will be the all-media uh, year-end wrap-up we'd like to do. And then uh, the week after that will be the return of the Pickley Podcast. So there will be one week off in the middle. That's fine because there's no official books coming out that week anyway. So there's nothing to talk about even if we did the show. 
uh, as it is, we like to get away from each other as much as possible. So it's good for us. It's a little break from us, from each other. Which is healthy. So. Which is healthy. Yeah. yeah. So. In the meantime, you can go to fanboy.com. You can read Josh's Pick of the Week review, and you will be able to read the new Book of the Month review next month. And also all the big news and stuff that's coming out. We have a bunch of best of the year lists coming out after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, and then a little bit after New Year's. So if you want to know what we thought of the year in comics, that'll be happening almost every day after, between Christmas and New Year's and a little bit after. Uh, in addition to that, you can go to fanboy.com slash about. You can see the staff page. You can find our social network links and be our friend online. And you can follow all the action on twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy. And as I mentioned earlier, you can get in touch with us. You can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or you can call our voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys It's one 326 2697 It's always good to hear from you, especially around the holidays. So thanks to everybody who's reached out with uh, holiday wishes. Just, you just love Christmas. I do. I just fucking I love it. It's great. It's yeah. the best time of the year. <laughs> if you like uh, the podcast or the other podcasts that you can leave a review at iTunes. Uh, it's a really good way to, to help uh, get notice out there. In the meantime, tell other people about it. Help spread the word. Um, share it on social media. Comment on the shows. Uh, do what you will. Uh, thank you very much for doing so. And uh, and uh, that, that's all. You are you are the marketing and advertising arm of iFanboy. You right there listening to this right now. So you need to do your part. We appreciate it. Cool. But so, get moving. So uh, yeah, less than uh, less than two weeks till Christmas. Are you guys ready? Mm, so I, I don't know that I'm actually going to make it to New York at this point. Yeah, I know. That's I'm happy I'm getting in early. <laughs> so there's that. Keep that. In my well, then you pocket. wouldn't be able to leave. So there's that too. Yeah. Well, it has lots of complications. Let's just say if I if I can't make it home for Christmas, so we'll just see how that goes. All right. Well, good luck with fact, that. It might be a whiskey Christmas. Yeah. You should so. get a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. It'd be a Fonzie Christmas. Maybe I'll just well, it's not, that's not where I was going with that, but that's also good. That works. Yeah, I, it's not wrong. Don't jump. Don't take any jumps, though. Yeah, don't apparently. jump over a shark. I did drive from L.A. to New York in, in two nights before. Maybe I'll do that again. It's doable. It's totally doable. So. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right, so good luck with that, Connor. Until next time. Aging hipster dead in Minnesota. <laughs> Holiday tragedy. is. Why did I go north? <laughs> Why did you go north? <laughs> Why did I go north? <laughs> He's not good with directions. <laughs> Holiday tragedy is... <laughs> like, what happened was... You fell asleep and then ended up going the wrong way. Uh, I'm the starting basically at the bottom of the country. The, the seat next to you is broken. I'm and like three days going north. It's <laughs> crazy, Josh. Anyway, so until next time, I'm Ron. Connor. I'm Dale Griffin. Plus, the gas is so much more expensive now than the last time I drove across the country. Oh, geez, it's like the cost of a plane ticket. Tolls, too. When we come. child must be made aware Every child must be made to care Care enough for his man To give all the love that he can I pray my wish will come true as for my child and your child too I'll see the day of glory I'll see the day when men of good will live in peace live in peace again peace on earth